At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Realms, the 5e D&D podcast where we discuss all you need to know about world building, from gods and demons to mountains and molehills. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master and creator of Riftwake. I'm Josh, your co-host and fellow Dungeon Master, world builder, and fantasy enjoyer. And today, my computer doesn't work. But we will be talking about... XXX, wait, no. Um, <laughs> XXX, that doesn't seem right. Alright, so, today we'll be talking about getting started. What do we mean by getting started, Josh? How do you, how do you get started? Starting I'm, to I'm get... I'm not the one who came up with the episode name. I'm sorry, Josh. Actually, uh, I was the one who came up with the episode name. Wait a minute, name. Josh, you're a liar? <laughs> I'm reading off the script right now where I pretend like I didn't. We don't have a script, remember? <laughs> What? There's no way anyone could have possibly known that if we didn't tell them. Oh god, fuck, I fucked up, I'm sorry. Anyways, so, um, let's see. How do we get started on world building? So, to begin with, uh, let's just talk about some stuff in general. Um, there are many different ways that you can go about world building. Uh, as we oh, yeah. covered in the prior episodes, we've gone over all the different elements that can play a part in your world building. However, what order in which or how you go about building that world using those elements can differ between different dungeon masters. We would like to show you, like, I guess two examples? I guess really it's our examples. Yeah, our examples, pretty much. And granted, like, the way you build worlds is entirely dependent, one, upon your personal preference, and two, what kind of story you want to tell. Like, you're going to build a world differently if you want to do, like, a world based off of the, like, 
dramatic intrigue of the court versus I just want to go on adventures. Like you're gonna do, you're gonna world build two completely different ways. Or or I have five minutes and the session is starting. <laughs> help! <laughs> Someone help me. Uh, and um. In that light, uh, let me begin. Um, <laughs> so, I want to call my minute. method... Time out. Nathan always talked about how he needed months and months between arcs because he had to do so much, so much plot. So much so plot much had plot. to happen. He had to come up with entire universes worth of plot, and here I am hearing for the first time that maybe Josh, I don't know do if it. you know this, but nobody actually believed me when I said that. It, I it, did. <laughs> it's a, it's a fucking premise. The, the the whole the whole thing was a sham, Josh. <laughs> it's a fucking sham. No, but in truth, like um yeah, like generally speaking, I do most of my uh writing up front and maybe over the course of like maybe at max three hours. Mm-hmm. So um on to my method. Let's let's go. So what I call my method, uh, I mean, what we, like... <laughs> what we decided to call your method just now. I don't, yeah. I don't think what I call it like, is something I, like yeah. patent pending. Um, patent pending. Um, <laughs> so guys, uh, patent pending. This is my, my tried and true method to be as lazy as possible. I mean, to be as efficient as possible. Um, so it's called fast and flexible, colon, <laughs> monuments to capture the mind. So it's Wait. actually what this... He did say mind, by the way, everyone. I know <laughs> it may have sounded like mine. Anyways, um, <laughs> to encapsulate what uh, my method more or less re- like revolves around is doing as little work on a session-for-session basis um, with some upfront uh, world-building required, but generally keeping it very, very low-profile and generally more reacting to what the player does than... Um, sort of pre-writing a lot of it. So let's go over the like uh, the points. So starting off, first thing I do is build the world. Obviously, so when you're building a world, you need to first have a certain core hook, core concept that makes your world separate or different. So, for example, in Riftwake's case, you have a scene where you have a typical fantasy world, but gods are very, very like human and walk around. And aren't really gods, um, you know that kind of thing. Um, that's like the core concept, and then the high concept of Riftwake is like uh, I want a more a world that's more uh, grounded in terms of not being able to resurrect from death, um, but having somewhat divine beings walking around that uh, essentially stand above normal men, but aren't exactly the most virtuous people at all times, um, so on and so forth. So going away from the concept portion, I start. I then go on to uh, defining. Okay, so how does my world look? What continents are there? Um, these are very, very surface level. I basically, at most, write. Oh, this place is kind of snowy. I guess. Oh, there'd be mountains here. Um, you know that kind of thing. Very, very short. Very simple. Anything that is not going to be used immediately, fucking ignore it past the point of writing enough so that you can start when once you actually need to fill that out. So next thing you want to do is look at where the players will be and find their cities. The cities that the players will visit or might visit. Flesh them out. Core thing. 
one thing that's very, very important. Each city must have its own quote-unquote gimmick or essentially its own core concept that hooks the player to them. If I were to go over my cities as of now, I would say Dren, mechanical city, moving buildings. Delma, magic city, magical roads, giant laser towers. Jarden, port city, fucking huge walls. Jarden's probably the weakest out of the lot in terms of like a hard gimmick. But it's, uh, since it is the starting city, it needs to be more general. There's Vanderville. Crime. Crime. And, uh, crime. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, one more thing. Uh, crime. Uh, is there also have... crime there? Yeah, there, there actually is a lot of crime. Like, oh, there's wow. so much crime. <laughs> it's literally everything that's there. It's just crime. Um, <laughs> next thing is, uh, for example, Vander... Like, no, we, we have, uh, Vanar, which is the... Glass city, quote unquote. You know, the, as you can see, every single city has like a core idea or look to it that instantly is like people can just slap the table and be like, boom, that's the city that he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. Because essentially, you want something that's very, very actionable, something that people instantly can latch onto, hence off making your work a lot easier in terms of having to have a world where people feel like things exist. Because let's say you did it differently and had every city just be generic in some form or another. Oh, this is um, Pelor, uh, Pelinor, uh, the city of the West. It's a typical fantasy city. They like toast there. It's like, nobody's going to remember that. Um, so you kind of need uh, to have something that hooks your players, something visual, something conceivable that your players can quickly latch onto and form an image. So when the players are moving around, they look at these cities and they feel, yeah, this guy probably has a lot going into all these things. Yeah. Well built world. Whoa. Anyways, um <laughs> Imagine. After all the cities, um, and their gimmicks, what you want to do is write a summarized history. What I mean by summarize, I literally mean a paragraph. Don't write any more, don't write any less. Um, actually you can write less, but uh <laughs> Generally, write a paragraph. Very simple. The past couple hundred years, be like, what is basically anything that's s- s- immediately relevant to the current state of the world, the current epoch. So in my case, Demon War, it just ended. So that is what's influencing the current state of events. Everything kind of like all the people's thoughts and opinions and stuff kind of fall back to that, you know? This gives you something to work off of when you're doing like, on-the-fly world building with your players, when someone asks you something that you don't quite know, you can always use that history as a bouncing board to figure out how to um, turn that question into an answer. So what you want to do with the history is, generally, you can follow the guidelines and be like, basically, end of an era, what's going on, maybe there's a famine. It's something big, something punchy, something that's very... um, I like the drama. Yeah, something that has drama. And generally speaking, the way I write my stories is that they're kind of just bouncing in between these events, these major epoch-turning events. And um, essentially, they kind of flow into each other. But that's less important because that's what happens over the course of the campaign. Uh, Moving on. What you want to do after history. So what does history affect? It's major organizations. So your kings, your uh, merchant kings, Merchant, uh, you know, class, 
merchant <laughs> class. Uh, <laughs> like um, basically the people of your world. So like from the from the kings to the merchants to the fucking common people, these major events change their lives. So what you can do from that is take the major organization, see how they changed. Write maybe like a sentence or two about the major organization. What are they like? They also need their own core concept, something that gives them a very good and solid fast character. So, for example, thus far on Riftway, uh, we've seen the Zakarai. You know them as some big shadowy organization. We've seen the Red Baron um, uh, and the Red Flask. Merchant organization with a dark history. You know, that kind of thing. There's, essentially, you need to create this like very quick, very easy to understand. Basically, what if your players are mentally deficient and you want to convey an idea? Think of it like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine your players are stupid and you have to spell everything out for them. Exactly. So nothing but in, respect. It's like explain it in true words or less. No. Um. But it's something along those lines. Moving on, is I think this is quite important. Cool shit. <laughs> Come up with items, relics, or let and legends that you can populate your world with. Maybe there's a tale of um this mountain actually being a giant uh, monster. Maybe once upon a time there's a tale of. This man who had a uh, magical uh, book that gave him immense wisdom or knowledge. Something like that. Just little tidbits. Right, maybe five. More if you want to. Uh, these just give you like some nice things that you can just pull out of your like bag of tricks. <laughs> I when... thought you were going to say pull out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can pull it out of your ass, you know. It's the same difference. <laughs> like, basically, have some cool shit that you can pull out of your ass. When it's needed, because you know sometimes you'll find that moment. So that's building like this kind of vague world with pin, like basically pins where the important shit are. Everything outside that is very vague, keeps it open. Next thing, the plotting. So how does it play into the plot? First things I generally do when I'm building, I want to ask the players what they want from my campaign. It's a lot easier just to ask them straight. Uh, most people do enjoy a certain kind of story. It allows you to actually kind of um, figure out what you want to do with the plot. So from there, you can come up with your main plot concept. How is the plot going to go? What's the main antagonist or uh, pushing force? Maybe it's really, maybe you can tie it into your simulated history, like summarized history and current epoch. Uh, maybe it's one of the major organizations that I was talking about earlier. Maybe they are in a city and living there. So on and so forth. As I said before, all the building world stuff beforehand is to give you very, very nice, large materials that you can slowly carve into the shape that you want. So what you have there is like the pushing conflict or the pushing plot concept. Um, now, you can bring this overall concept into bounds, like different sections of the story. Um, so this isn't going to be as... Uh, Exact, but generally speaking, when a story progresses, you can see like sort of end goals, like mid midterm goals from step to step. Just think about how the story will progress and different possible stopping points. Do not, and I repeat, do not keep these um, written in stone. These are supposed to be stuff that's a lot more flexible, something that you can change. Um, generally, you want to have the current bound more or less in mind, like something that's already 
pretty much written down, solidified when you're within it. And the next one kind of, you know, have some idea of what you want to do there. But generally speaking, try and keep flexible because essentially don't do work that will get destroyed when your players do something weird. Okay? It's very simple. <laughs> this entire method is designed to put in as little work as possible so that it doesn't get destroyed. So you leave as little stuff on the table for your players to pick up and snap in half in front of you. Exactly. <laughs> I'm traumatized. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so well, you, like, I, I vaguely remember writing, like spending fucking a lot of time prepping for certain sessions and just, God. Um, Maybe what we should have named this method is Nathan, fast and flexible, colon, reliving my trauma. Reliving <laughs> <laughs> my trauma. So... <laughs> Is like, so moving on to like the bounds, the next thing you need to notice is how the bounds tie into the main plot concept that I was talking about earlier. This is very important. Sometimes it's not possible. Maybe a player takes a detour. You don't always have to retie it back into the main plot concept. Have it be part of their story. Sometimes you need some downtime from the main plot. I mean, it, when most people, when they play RPGs, like sometimes they don't want to play the whole main story. Maybe they want to go on a side quest. Uh, having a couple, you know, moments where you split off from that is always fun and can be a way to relax from all the tension of the main plot. Next thing, sessions. So generally speaking, in a session, like, I mean, play sessions, this is quite important. You kind of want this written down properly, uh, planned out to some extent. What I mean by that, have three, three points, just three points, three very short points that say what you want to achieve this session. Try and follow these points you don't need to follow them to a T. These three points will give you kind of like, generally speaking, you can be like, what is the main goal of this session? What do you want the players to do? What to play? Like, just come up with three different points that will give some sort of guidance to the session. Um, I've done it before in one of the episodes where there's a detective plot, and then you can just create, what is interesting? Uh, what do the players not know? That kind of thing. Just come up with three different points that affect how your session will play out, how the, how the, um, what the core concept of that session is, so on and so forth. Uh, I can't give you more exact things because it's very much on the session-to-session basis. And this means that you don't actually have to plan the session like a fucking paragraph, which takes time. You can just write, you can just write three sentences and be like, oh, fuck this. Um, <laughs> and uh, with that, you actually kind of have a lot in terms of like, flexibility to react to how the players work and it's a guiding force that gives you um the ability to just instantly like oh i need to make this decision on how this goes out oh, i got this three points let me just check them i can follow these this will help me make my plans last but not least flexibility so this is just a general tip whenever deciding on a situation within a session uh in terms of like world building and writing since you have so little written Wait, let me rephrase that. Since you have <laughs> so much that you have left open oh, okay. to, for, for people to, you know, express their creativity and add to your world. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, You've you, literally you, left an entire book full of unanswered questions. <laughs> exactly. So what you can do is basically, whenever a play is like, huh, this is what I think it's going on, and you just... Every time they say that, write it down. It's very useful. Um, <laughs> they have a plan. 
Let them do it. They have a certain idea of how the character works. Doesn't matter. Your world is open. Fucking open. You can do whatever you want. It's great. <laughs> Generally speaking, you never, you can almost never be that guy who says, like, there aren't going to be times when it doesn't work. Like, you have your factions and stuff that you've already written down. You have your cities. Quite, the most of the major pieces are there. But whenever a player is like, I want to do this. Generally speaking, you can be like, that's not a problem. Because there's nothing there to that conflicts with it. So <laughs> that's, that is why it's called the Fast and Flexible. Very, lift, very low effort, very flexible. Nobody has an issue, trust me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so next up, filling the blanks. Uh, didn't you already say finally? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, that's about the plotting portion. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> I was so, like, wait. Like, <laughs> after building your world and like, defining your plot, what you want to do is, like, this is basically more general stuff outside of the sessions you're playing and the initial world building. Before every session, um, you want to look at what the players will be doing and see what you haven't fleshed out. Like, I'm not talking about, like, uh, an exact plot defining thing. I mean, like, let's say that session you kind of have an idea of, like, you want the players to maybe visit this place. I mean, it's kind of important if they're visiting a certain place within the city to have that place at least have a sentence of something about it. Just write that sentence or two. You can work from that. (laughs) Next thing. Between sessions, whenever you get hit by an idea or a cool concept, just write it down. Uh, It's very useful to have these little notes here and there that give you ammunition to work with during your sessions. Essentially, um, the core concept of this uh, method is to leave everything as open as possible with snippets here and there that give you guidance in how to react or uh, mold your sessions to the player's actions. Last but not least, create roots. What I mean by this. So, what's an easy way to make your world seem more world bu- like built up than it actually is? <laughs> I like how everything about yours is creating cardboard cutouts and every... <laughs> Every other set isn't is someone's actual house. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's like legitimately how I would describe my world voting style is. If I would like, if the DM was like, let's say, if you could turn off the DM and then walk outside the bounds and be like a video game where you're just like, you're okay. just clipping through walls. Yeah, just like what the fuck? Just an endless blue void. What the fuck is going on? Like the second you step out of the bounds, it's like. You're walking through the forest, and then just suddenly you just see all the trees end, and then there's like a gray floor extending into infinity. <laughs> that's oh, essentially that's what funny. it is, but to make it work seem more deep than it actually is. Whenever you're writing uh, or creating stuff, on the whim, if you find something interesting, just write incredibly deep lore on it. Just like, if you find something very fun. For me, it was uh, health potions. Don't don't bring it up, ever, unless you're asked about it. But if you have something fun that you think you enjoy, or personally if you, you have an attachment to, write incredibly deep lore on that one specific topic all the way down the line. Just be like, okay, health potions, here's how they're crafted, here's all the ingredients that they use. Um, this is how the history of the health potion was created. Oh, these are the people that made the health potion. These are the vendors. Just go all the way in depth on a single topic. And then don't extrapolate out. Just do that. Boom. Instant. Instantly. You have something that, you know, if anyone ever is like, huh, 
you know about that thing? And then you can, uh, if it happens to be one of these things, very good. If it doesn't happen to be one of these things, well, use this pra- as practice to be like, extrapolate forward from it. It's good practice to be able to, on the spot, be able to be like, ah, oh, yes, that thing, it's because of that and that uh, thing from above. This, this entire method essentially creates a cloud of information that's vague enough but solidified enough that you can actually pull from it to extrapolate forward. And that's essentially the whole method uh, when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah. Now, on to Josh. Longer yeah. and more elaborate yeah. method. That- Nathan, Nathan's yes. guidance is all about finding your own bliss. It's like, hey, find that thing that you really enjoy, go deep down, and then hold on to it, <laughs> and then never bring it up unless someone brings it up. Then bring it up. It's, his is very improv heavy, I, I would say. Your, your style is, is very improv heavy. And um, it is <laughs> as good night, my love. Uh, as as DMs, you're gonna have to get used to not having all the answers in front of you. I never have any answers, Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, but improv <laughs> is probably one of the most important tools that you can have at your disposal. Um, just I, I mean, I mean, just literally yesterday. No, not yesterday. It was like two days ago. Uh, I was doing a an entire session that was completely improved because they went a direction I wasn't expecting them to go, um, which was a lot of fun. Like the players really had a great time um, with some of the kind of at will created NPCs and the fun little interesting area that they are exploring and how these places are interacting with the world and it, it's like a fun world building moment that I was not prepared for anyone to <laughs> experience, um, but was fun nonetheless. So we're going to move forward to my world-building process, which is, uh, I'd say, a lot different from, from Nathan's. Um, but that's kind of, I think, the entire point of this episode is no one world-building method is correct, even uh, even though Nathan seems incredibly incorrect. Um <laughs> Wait, no, uh, what? <laughs> I, feel, I feel attacked. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing. That's actually, it's it's incredibly useful. Like, your your method is incredibly useful for getting things done and getting things out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because there are other people uh, who will spend years building a campaign that they never play in because it's never done, because it never will be done. Actually, like, uh, what I would say is that my method is quite similar to what uh, we call in like so when you're making a game in the games industry this uh i think it's it applies to software development as well it's called fail fast like fail fast you want to create mm-hmm. a as basic a product as possible to shove out so they can actually mm-hmm. start testing and get testing done mm-hmm. so like basically my method you get something out the door something you don't like you can quickly change it after the fact once it's actually oh, yeah. running Nothing so built up on top of each other that if one person goes, that doesn't make any sense, the entire world doesn't collapse. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. All right, so my, uh, we, I termed mine as character focus, uh, colon, stories to inspire. Um, I have found that the most important first fundamental step has been uh, the idea of important concept. Um, This is like the spark that gets the creative juices flowing. Uh, This is the anime or video game or book or just like a random idea that you have uh, that goes like, oh, shit, like that'd be something that would make an interesting world to be in that would make a very interesting backdrop that would make a very interesting um fundamental thing that kind of flows into like how would that work mechanically what does a world that involves this concept look like um and this is kind of like this is literally like the first formations of your world building of like what's my core concept what has changed in the world because of this core concept? Um, how does the entire universe kind of look? These are like the biggest questions that you ask, and then we slowly get more and more specific and more and more, uh, more and more filled in as we zoom into other places. Um, you ask the questions of like who've risen, who's risen to prominence, and where would the story that I want my players to experience uh, take place? Uh, this first step is very important. It's basically the entire crux of my world building centers on what story are we telling, right? Like me and my players, what story are we looking for? What's the idea that we're going for? And how do we kind of make a world around this story that we want to tell? Um, and to do this, I like divvy it up into three different types of world that me and my players are going to be experiencing. Uh, there's either open world, there's sandbox, and then I con- I consider the third one linear storytelling. Um, do we want to like go into depth about what those mean? All right. Okay. So I've always considered open world being like the JRPGs kind of uh, idea where. The whole world is available to them. Uh, certain places are more dangerous than others. Uh, certain things lead you in certain directions. Um, and the world is big and the world is full of things to explore, right? Uh, these are really, really good for your action adventure games. These are good for uh, games where you might have a whole bunch of stories being told all at once. Um, where something that's really important in one place might not even register on the radar of another place kind of world. Um, Sandbox 
is basically I take all of the toys and I drop them in the middle of the world and go, basically, let's find whatever is the thing that y'all want to do the most, and we'll focus on that. Um, this is like the... I don't know if anyone's ever played the West Marches, but this is the world where uh, things move on without you a lot. Um, if something doesn't get done or something doesn't get attended to, uh, the world changes. It's not important anymore. Move forward. You didn't get to it. Too bad, so sad. <laughs> let's... Uh, Let's continue. This is kind of like time trials on like GTA. Where like, <laughs> like oh we gotta we gotta save him. Oh he's, uh, got, he's, he's gonna dead. jump. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you just walk up to the corpse, poke it. Ah oh, fuck, he's dead. This is what the kind do? of area where I'm like where I don't like quote unquote just in time storytelling. Um mm. where you happen to show up the day before the festival or Oh, good! You've ha- you've come across this thing mere minutes before calamity. Thank goodness you've arrived just in time. It's like uh-huh. if you didn't arrive in time, you didn't arrive in time. Face the consequences and let's move forward. Um, I think I think there's a certain uh, what do you call it realism to doing uh, like avoiding just in time. Because mm-hmm. I mean, y- your characters, even though they're heroes, might not be just in time like maybe not busy yeah, busy being like busy with around. a different post or being busy <laughs> fucking around literally impacts like that that makes the world they're in uh have consequences i feel better than the open world where it's like you have a day to do this and then you fuck around for four days and you come back and they're like you did it <laughs> <laughs> i just i just I, I i can find i can see the humor in having a setting like like that because it's just like <laughs> imagine a party that is very used to that sort of oh we can fuck around mentality yeah, it, and then they're it, just it, like oh like the assassin's creed <laughs> <laughs> like the assassin's creed of the world it's like we must do this immediately and then you try okay. to do it and they're like but did you get the 99 seeds <laughs> you're like no no oh no my me, God. me me and then you're like oh sorry i've been traveling around the world killing bandits for fun <laughs> Uh, it's, I've been gone for six months trying to get the eighty-fourth feather, and they're like, and they're well, like, um, <laughs> great, well, uh, you made it just in time. Gone? <laughs> <laughs> like you made it just in time, or the alternative? You've been gone for months. You understand that? We we got another guy to do. It. He died. The guy <laughs> Everything's died. Everything's changed. Up. Get used to it. Like um, the guy in charge that you—he's not even in charge anymore. He tripped and fell and broke his neck. <laughs> Sounds like an assassination to me, but, you know, <laughs> who who knows? The last person who said that got his neck broken. <laughs> um, so you and then away, you linear oh, storytelling is, um, okay. is very, I, I generally consider it the more railroady of the three, um, where there are specific story locations, specific story arcs that move from point A to point B to point C to point D, like, very, very specifically and mechanically. Josh, Josh. Um, which it tends to be, like, your D&D source books, like, uh, like the Strict Haven and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of unfortunate, but kind of the nature of source books, because... <laughs> they have a very specific the story they're trying write? to tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, like, oh, a very oh. specific story that they have to tell. And so they're like, and then this happens. It must happen. Move on. <laughs> It, no, just imagine if they actually tried to come up with every single possibility. That book would be so large. 
Oh my god, it would basically be <laughs> unfathomably deep, <laughs> and no one would like be cat. able to read it because it. <laughs> no, you like try to open it, and the spine <laughs> fucking breaks. <laughs> your spine breaks trying to carry the book out of the store. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it costs like fucking twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> and that's just for the cost of paper. Um, after we kind of get an idea of the adventure that we as storytellers want to partake in, uh, we move forward with kind of like what framing device makes the important concept uh, stand out. Um, This is kind of more for your players' minds. Like, how has gameplay changed from what they expect or what what they have experienced previously um, that kind of brings the spark into focus? Um, Like, for example, in Nathan's game, Uh, The framing device is like those shards, right? They're very important to his campaign and also the fact that uh, resurrection magic is not a thing. Um, These are framing devices that put his gritty fantasy, make it feel more present in the world, right? Um, For being in the mecha campaign that I'm running with some of my players, um, the... Central spark is the idea that, you know, they are a military unit with mechs that they have at their disposal. So the use of these mechs is fundamental uh, for the kind of spark the f- to be framed. It is it is the thing, you know what I'm saying? Um, how how has the spark impacted character to character interactions? How do they be- interact with the world and how do they interact with each other? Because of the way the world now works. Um, And then I'd say one of the most important questions is think about stories that make your players shine in a world where they are, they could be considered like normal and mundane, right? Uh, Level one adventurers are generally like normal people plus, right? what adventures are these normal people going to go on that shapes them into the characters that they want to be later? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then kind of after you have all these general ideas in place, kind of penciled down, nothing's really in pen yet, that's when we actually begin generating the world as a whole. You know what I'm saying? Um, Generate enough detail so that way you know general things about the comings and goings of the entire world, slash worlds if you're doing sci-fi, where you have core concepts of areas, fundamental ideas of how things work and how they interact with each other, um, all done in pencil, all done generally. You don't want to spend years on this portion, right? You want to spend hours on it at most. Hours? Yes. That's a lot. (laughs) I know. Uh, sometimes days, if you're really, really good at it. <laughs> from, from a guy who, who literally mm-hmm. just told everyone, no, oh, just write a fucking sentence. Just or write a fucking sentence or two, yeah. <laughs> um, after that, you want to zoom into the specific region that the players will be spending a lot of their early time in. Um, mm. this can be as simple as, like, a big city with the surrounding area, or, like, generally you want this to be some place that the characters can realistically go to in the next couple of levels, uh, kind of fleshing that out, this kind of beginner-friendly zone. Um, after that, you want to zoom in to... You have to kill like, ten boars. Kill ten boars to go to the next level. Uh, zoom <laughs> into a specific like sub-region, 
uh, wilderness, small town, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that the players will spend their very developmental levels. So that way uh, they can kind of exist as people and have a feeling for who they are as you're writing the story. Um, the last thing you want is to have your big, bad, evil guy that you're like in mind for be hugely sympathetic <laughs> to the characters. And then you're like, uh, uh oh, I have to think of something else entirely. Um, have a kind of a mini arc one to like level four or level four, level like three or level four that gets you an idea of like, oh, this is who the characters are. This is something that they would be against. So, like, basically, have a period where you can kind of... Like, in the stories, that early bit where the characters just kind of do their thing before the main conflict comes up, so they can yeah. kind of get an idea of who the characters are. Yeah, because anyone at I level see, see. one is has not really put in their feet in the character's shoes yet. Um, it Generally, I found my players need at least a couple of sessions before they go, Oh... I'm this person. Like, I'm this type of person. Or these are the things my characters believe. Oh, I'm a criminal. Oh, I'm a criminal. Um, <laughs> but I, f I find that generally they need a little bit of time to sort themselves out before right. they can sort the world out. You know what I'm saying? It's very um, different from my DMing, so... <laughs> <laughs> Just like me. Looks and back then... to most of my my uh, campaign starting. Uh, so there's this giant monster you gotta fight. <laughs> Level um, one, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's do this. Um, after that, I'd say you want to zoom the camera in to specific player, uh, specific characters that the players will get to know early on, and kind of how they represent the world that you're creating as a whole, right? Um, these are characters like the early merchant who gets them their first job, like have him kind of be a representative of how you want the merchant's guild as a whole to treat others or behave, right? Um, if Fry. you want so much, <laughs> if you want an antagonistic force, um, introduce Fry. the stooge, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Where... It's not necessarily this person is important to the huge grand scheme of things, um, but in the moment, they're like the bully. The I like bully the bully. He's a very fun antagonist to play the with. The bully's a great antagonist. <laughs> no, no, the thing about the bully is he's amazingly easy to write. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Just be like, a bully. It's that easy. No, like, you, you can use... Okay, like it's very much a case, so you can use the most basest of reasons, and nobody will question you for it. <laughs> of course. Like, why is this why, guy bully? He... Well, he's an asshole. Oh, okay. well, he's racist. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I get gotcha. it. Gotcha, okay. gotcha. <laughs> no, I understand. Like, I understand completely. <laughs> it's very easy. So, so easy to explain it. It's not like I don't, I don't understand his his philosophical givings. You know, I don't understand why. Um. And then, basically, this is when these the first moments of your campaign are going to be the norms that you are planning to upend. Uh, get things comfortable for your players right at the start, and then yank it out from under their footing. Um, make the comfortable suddenly gone, and uh, replace it with the dangerous. That's how. That's generally how players understand, like, okay, we're not in the kiddie pool anymore. 
you're not levels one through four. It's time to get serious. <laughs> serious. Serious time. Um, serious. Uh, before you actually like have your first sessions with your players, uh, I'd say get player feedback and backstory. Right. Players need their own space in the world building to make it feel lived in. Um, and you're going to want to ask them questions about themselves and their lives that uh, generally we don't think about as players whenever we're making a character for the first time. Uh, like, we want to be like, oh, my name's Xanthar, I'm a soldier of fortune, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, cool, who's your mom? But do like, you like <laughs> kittens? No, not even like, do you like kittens? It's like, it's fundamental, <laughs> like, what's your mom's name? Like, who like my are mom. your... Who are your parents? Who are the people that care about you? My parents um, were soldiers too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like that's just it. Like ha have your if your characters have history and stuff like and parents, I have found that that has decreased murder hoboness by like a hundred percent. Like I I like parents. They're great to kill. Yeah. But not even just that. Like, they're great for like, okay, what are your parents like? And um, what's fun for me is um, a little later down the line, after the character is a little bit more established, after we have like an understanding right. of what the character is like, have them meet their parents. Like, have them have a full blown conversation with their loved ones, and take portions of their personality and dial them up to eleven on their parents. <laughs> that, that's pretty fun. <laughs> like it is, it is so enjoyable. It gives characters a lot of depth that they might not have even been thinking about, and it also is like hugely validating <laughs> because, like, yeah, you're a cool adventurer and all that, but also your mom's putting you on blast, dude, like in front of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, mom. Mom, no, not in front of my friends. <laughs> oh man, the, the, those are like so so fun. Like giving giving your players a chance to put their history together. Like who's your parents? Uh, what? Why are they adventuring? Where are you from? Tell me about where you're from. Like where you are from is such a gimme for free world building. Um, because players generally want to be from someplace kind of cool or interesting, right? Um. So this is whenever having things written in pencil is super handy because a lot from experience, a lot of times the players will go like, oh, well, I was thinking that my character might have been from somewhere that had Colosseum battles. And you go, oh, OK, uh, this place kind of matches a culture that I was thinking might have Colosseum battles. Do you want and them to be from this here? This place now exists. <laughs> this place is now in pen. <laughs> <laughs> And then just ask them for a couple of details about, like, growing up. Like, what was growing up like in this city? Were you bullied? That's free world building. Done, done, done. Do you, were you the bully? Were you the bully? Uh, <laughs> uh, did, did your opinions on other people make you uh, socially uh, misanthropic? And then, mm -hmm. as time went on, you developed uh, Did you join 4chan other as a youngling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hate women now? <laughs> Do you suddenly just hate women? Um, after you've gotten the player feedback and backstory, that's whenever you create the vague history of the world. 
what happened in the past that's made an impact, ancient heroes and villains, what has politics been like and how has that shaped culture, vice versa. And then once you have a history, you go to the now. What's the political landscape like today? Uh, What is culture like today? How is it different from the past? Like, do long-lived peoples... Are they like long-lived people of today where it's like, back in my day, we weren't all such shitters. <laughs> um, what are the back struggles day, and strength shot. of general areas? We just held and, it in. <laughs> we never pooped. And how have these things changed the relationship between areas? If one place is really good at mining but is having trouble getting food, what do they do to overcome that weakness? Um and then integrate your players' past desires and obstacles with the main themes of your plot. This is really important for making it feel like the player's past matters in a big context. Um, it, it really makes the world come to life. Your players having something that they want and having someone who is opposed to them and opposed to them getting it and also. Um, and also very powerful and representative of the world that they live in. Uh, it's 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 a powerful moment, and these are things that you're going to have to learn about your players over over time, which is means that at the beginning it's going to be written in pencil. Your players are going to learn about themselves. You're going to learn about them, and then it can get written down. Um, and I'd say part of the last things that you need to do is create a broad overview of where you want the story to end. Um, who's the principal antagonist? How do they oppose the party? Why are they antagonistic? And once you have that idea in your head, you create a very general, <laughs> subject to change, roadmap of important events that you want to take place during the campaign. Um, this roadmap is uh, subject to derailment, uh, but the f- off-the-tracks fun makes for nice changes of place for many players, and even things that may not have been originally part of your roadmap, um, it is incredibly fulfilling, both from a storyteller and from a player, uh, to have the things that are not part of the roadmap lead them in the direction that they need to go, or at least benefit them further down the road. Um, you know, wasted time isn't time wasted when you're having fun. You know what I'm saying? In this specific situation, willingness to improv is fundamental. Uh, this is when Nathan's like three points that you want to get across in a session are so important. Um, you don't have to be married to any one portion of your plot. These things are subject to change as your players change, as the world around them, as, as you change the world around them. Um, these goalposts are likely to move. Um, just make actually reaching one of these feel rewarding. Um, other than that, it's just like a little bit of advice. You're you're mostly done and ready to start the game, or ready to continue on with the game. I'd say keep the camera, like metaphorical camera, really zoomed in around the players and their location. Uh, everything outside of the lens should be mostly in pencil, um, with pinning down more details as players are on the move or expected to be on the move. Um, don't waste time on hyper-specific details for places the players are not going to see for a long time or ever. Um, and instead, focus your time and energy on adding details to the world around your players. Uh, 
while keeping in mind the general covings and goings of the world as a whole. These are kind of important for uh, like rumors that get passed around from certain areas. Um, and these are really good ways to kind of drop hints of your roadmap. It's like, oh, I heard the people of North Town are having trouble. And so it's like, oh, well, shit, maybe guys, we should visit North Town, guys. Or maybe we should put North Town down as one of the places that we're going to be visiting pretty soon. Or maybe you should put them down. <laughs> Kill them! Kill, kill, kill North Town. <laughs> I hate North Towners. They, they, <laughs> they killed my family. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say most importantly to keeping a good world built and like, because these things are going to uh, develop as you do them. You don't really want to wait for you to have a completely perfect world before you start your story. You will be writing this world for eternity. Um, things must change and time marches on. Build consequences for places the player has left, build consequences for places the players don't get to in time, build incentives to move players to certain locations, and make things the party does matter, and things the party doesn't do matter too. Hmm. That is my world-building advice. It's, it's more about building a story than building a world, but that's what we're doing, is we're storytellers, right? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. But yeah, I misunderstood I, I, the assignment. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, that, that's basically just have something fun in mind and make something that you're going to enjoy and that you're, you hope your players enjoy. Because um, we're all here to have a good time. Are we really? So, uh... <laughs> No, I'm miserable. I hate, I hate DMing. I never wanted to DM a day in my life, and yet here I am. On this podcast, talking about <laughs> my DM methods. <laughs> Anyways, I, I hope that this has been educational somewhat to um, the people listening. If you have any um, like thoughts on your own world-building ideas, how you will build, and want to tell us about it, you can head over to our uh, Discord. Discord. Yeah, it's in the description. Come on, uh, join. It's free. Uh, and just have a chat with us. It's, Nathan it's, will give every new person that joins a kiss. Yeah, and I, I, no, I can't promise that. Josh. <laughs> Wait, it, why it, why it, not? No, you kissed me. I don't remember this, Josh. <laughs> I don't. Wow, I'm very that single night of passion meant nothing to you. I see how it is. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> um. Anyways, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Realms. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Two stars lowest a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout with each other cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast. Join our Discord now, it's free. And you can send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.